Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Thank you guys for coming out this morning to the Torah study. Uh, we're in Torah portion number six, uh, the story of uh, Jacob and Esau, predominantly, out of Genesis 25 through Genesis 28. And uh, as we get going today, I just want to say, on the record, Happy Thanksgiving! May the joy of God and the blessing of God and the love of God just overwhelm you and your family all week long in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. So uh, today I want to delve into the story of Jacob and Esau and particularly what's going on inside of Esau. I mean, who on earth in their right mind uh, would sell their birthright uh, for a happy meal, an unhappy meal? (laughs) Uh, And that's a big part of this week's story. Uh, And uh, let's read a little bit of it in Genesis 25. If you have your uh, Holy Bible, uh, open up to Genesis 25 and verse 29. It says out of the uh, New Living Translation, One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. Where's the beef? (laughs) This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. So in verse 31, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Uh, In verse 32, look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Uh, then Esau, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then he got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Amen to the reading of God's word. And uh, as I was studying this this week, I mean, the, it just leaped out at me uh, in, uh, in the fact that why would somebody sell their birthright, which spiritually, uh, financially, monetarily was incalculable, Right? Uh, they, but yet Esau sold his whole opportunity for inheritance and legacy for a bowl of stew. Now, I don't care how good the stew is. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very good meal, uh, a good deal. It could have been a good meal, but not a very good deal. And so one of the things that uh, stood out to me is that a person with Esau's type of attitude and his decision-making process, 
uh, is one who is totally consumed with the wrong stuff. Right? They're only living for the moment, only focused on themselves, and they become reckless in satisfying the demands of the flesh. And so, with no regard for spiritual things, like destiny, like purpose, like the future, it's really quite frightening to think about Esau's lack of vision and lack of understanding about life in general. But I can't help but think that this is how the devil works. It's his same tactic back then as it is today. He's trying to reproduce something in all of us just like the Lord's trying to reproduce something in all of us. And the devil's trying to reproduce a lack of faith. Trying to use deception and doubt and lies to work every trick in the book against us so that we won't fulfill our God-given destiny. He's a dream stealer, a vision stealer, and he does not fight fair. But God says, be aware of the wiles of the devil. How many of you today are aware of the wiles of the devil? That's important. It's a part of spiritual warfare, isn't it? So a big part of today's lesson is how to overcome whatever was coming against Esau. How do we overcome that and not become like that? How do we win the constant struggle between immediate gratification, where's the meat, and thinking about our future? And you might recall a couple weeks ago in Genesis 1, we talked about one of the deeper truths of creation and with Adam and how God created you and I as a work in progress. Even at the altar call, when you get born again, everything that God wants to do in your life isn't completed at that moment. It's the first step of 10,000 steps. Amen? And so God created Adam as a work in progress. You see, on the one hand, you might recall that God created Adam from the dust of the ground, the dust of the earth. Adam's name means earth, dirt, soil. But on the other hand, he created Adam in his image and likeness. And notice God didn't say, let there be man. Everything else, let there be man. But with Adam, notice that he brings together a combination of two totally unrelated uh, and unequal substances. The dust of the ground and the breath of God. Remember that? And so what God is showing us is this mixture of the spiritual and the physical. How many of you have been in pastor's teachings? God does things two ways. Heavenly and earthly, spiritually and physically. It's built into the plan of creation. 
So we need to understand that there's a fusion between the spiritual and the physical. And uh, when we begin to understand that, we'll learn more about why we were created and what our mission here is all about. Because you see, being created from a physical substance, soil, it speaks to the idea that God created man with the intention that we would grow. Soil. And that we would not just grow any old way, but we would grow into the image and likeness of Almighty God. In other words, uh, mankind was created with the potential to be a living, breathing, and faith, and a faithful, uh, representation of our Creator. So what God wants to do in our lives today, what he wanted to do in Esau's life, was to help develop the skill to think about and plan about the future. How many of you know the future is coming? (laughs) The end of days is coming. Judgment is coming. And if we're not about our father's business, it might not work out so good. How many of you want a better life? (laughs) Amen. I entitled this message, What Stops You from a Better Life? We're getting into that right now. On why would someone sell their birthright? See, God is rich in wisdom. And he says that he will give to you and I that ask for it an abundance of wisdom. How many of you need the divine wisdom and counsel of Almighty God? You need to pray for that every day. God, loosen into my life. Divine wisdom, counsel me, lead me, and guide me today into great decision-making that will honor you and help me live a better life. And then, look, over time, we're supposed to develop that level of awareness about what's coming, looking ahead, not just living for the moment. If it feels good, do it, isn't the Christian slogan. (laughs) Right? God wants to loosen discernment. Judgment, discretion, and decision-making ability that will lead to a better life. People that are struggling to live a better life, the abundant life, the blessed life that's promised in the Bible, are struggling because they don't have enough wisdom from the Word of God to counteract everything that they were trained while they were living in the world and living for the devil. One of my favorite scriptures from way, way back is Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. In the Living Bible, it says, Any enterprise is built by wise planning. Become strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. The fact of the matter is, God has an awesome plan for your life. 
But the physical side of you will always try to go back to fleshly, worldly things and be motivated by fleshly, worldly cravings and appetites. That's why God breathed the breath of life into Adam. So that that spiritual side could uh, be infused in his being. The spiritual side from heaven is infused in you. But it's up to us to make the right decisions on which side we're going to feed. The physical side wants a bowl of stew. (laughs) You're going to trade your soul for a bowl of stew? But the spiritual side wants everything that God has. How many of you want everything that God has? Amen. So Esau's got a problem. Houston, we've got a problem. And he wasn't concerned about tomorrow. He didn't realize today's decisions have a direct impact on our life tomorrow. In fact, you could say that what it says in Corinthians, the God of this world comes to blind the mind of those that would believe in the glorious gospel. So with his vision blurred, That blindness of lust, that blindness of only seeking physical desire, he couldn't see what God was calling him to become. Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? So Esau's always running out, racing ahead, following the dictates of the flesh in order to pursue the things of the flesh. But God shows us over and over in his word, if that's all you got, that way is going to end in trouble. And it did for Esau. You know, at New Beginnings, we call it New Beginnings because we want you to have a new beginning. Just be thinking about, how can I walk into a new beginning today, Lord? Part of walking into a new beginning is using what you might call the tomorrow filter. Amen? When you're making decisions about your money, about your giving, about your career, about your social life, about your family life, about your church life, we need to be thinking about it using tomorrow's filter. How will today's decision affect my family, my finances, my future tomorrow? And this is part of the transformation that God is taking us all through. Because normally we don't come in to the church prepared for all this kind of thing. Right? I got Jesus, that's all I need. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're dying by 5 o'clock, hallelujah, I'm glad you got Jesus. But if you're planning on living for 25 or 50 more years, depending on your age, we need good, solid decision-making. And we need to use, yeah, we, there's parts of living for today, live moment by moment, one day at a time. That comes into play But usually uh, we haven't learned to think about tomorrow. And that's the challenge most believers face once they're born again. 
They're not even being taught this stuff. Most churches aren't even getting into this level of teaching. And the reality is God wants us to live for tomorrow. But in order to live a better life tomorrow, it means we need to make some changes in our ABCs, attitude, behavior, and conduct. And when we start to change our attitude, behavior, and conduct through the power of the Word, through the power of the cross, through the power of the blood, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, the negative parts of our personality begin to change. And uh, all the wives said, Amen. <laughs> Look, Esau was raised in a godly home, right? Jacob and Esau, they're twins. They're both in Rebekah's womb. And Esau knew the many God-given principles he needed to embrace. It wasn't like Abraham and Isaac weren't teaching them things. In fact, the big reason why God chose Abraham in the first place comes up in Genesis 18:19. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right. And just, then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. There it is. Big reason why God chose Abraham. He knew Abraham would follow Torah. He'd follow God-given, Bible-given principles. But uh, as the twins, both had Jewish DNA, both raised in a godly home, Jacob and Esau... Esau was only paying lip service to his parents and grandparents. His heart wasn't in it. But because deception was involved in that family, people didn't notice that. Jacob knew it. Rebekah knew it. There's debate whether Isaac knew it. I'm sure Abraham knew it. And yet he played the game that pretended to have values that he really didn't have. And this is what led him to this fateful decision to reject his birthright. We're not, as Christians today, uh, pretending is a big part of Christianity. I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Well, okay, you're forgiven, but go and sin no more. Stop that. Stop behaving like that. Stop acting like that. Look, if you were just a brand new believer... Okay, we'll, we'll get, cut you some slack. But you've been at this thing for 10 years and you're still doing the same stupid stuff that you did the day you got born again? Quit that in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Now, that doesn't mean that we're walking on water. I haven't tried that lately, but <laughs> I'm sure that I haven't reached that level. I can, I'm positive I haven't reached that level. But even from the womb, this is so important for new moms. Oh, there's my daughter, a new mom. Divine timing. Even in the womb, Rivka, Rebecca, Rivka in Hebrew, could see that there were differences between Jacob and Esau. 
Because during Rivka's pregnancy, in Genesis 25, 22, it says the children clashed inside her. Hey, little Z-man, you look so good in your new hat. Sabo was in Target the other day and saw this hat, and I says, oh, I got to buy this for my little grandson. Check him out. He'd be styling, dude. He knows now. Look at the little ham. Kosher ham, that is. So even in the womb, personalities were manifesting. And if those personality traits aren't sanctified, they can potentially become trouble, right? Esau was born with an aggressive, selfish, egotistical, and violent nature. And he said, this is just the way I am. See, that's not the Christian mantra. Just accept me the way I am. Okay, we'll, we'll accept you the way you are, but change. Change is the way of life to the Christian. WWJD is the way of life for the Christian. And we're not going to be uh, uh, batting a thousand here, Right? And it's not meant to condemn anybody, but let it convict us. You know what, Lord? There's still more work I want you to do in my life, and I'm a willing vessel. Let Do heart surgery today. I, I drove all the way to church. Amen. I even raised my hands in praise and worship. I feel like falling down. <laughs> Just be changed after you get back up, will you? So Esau had the best examples in the world on how to be a convert. Who's ever heard of a convert, a new convert? They got saved at the altar. They became a new convert. Converted to what? Living the way you used to live for the world? No. You've been converted to live like Jesus Christ, to be a reflection of the Lord. That's the first step of a thousand steps in the journey, right? And you need to learn how to use those personality types that are embedded in you, how to sanctify them, and instead of just being an angry, violent, aggressive maniac... Sometimes if you visit people's homes, you wonder why the pictures on the wall are hung at all different heights. Why is that picture so... Well, I put my foot through the drywall in a fit of rage. (laughs) I punched the, the drywall in a fit of rage. Stop that. Break that curse. Let the Spirit of the Lord sanctify that and then have a level of righteous indignation that when you see some injustice or some kind of deception or fraud, you're willing in a manner of spiritual authority and dominion to bind some things and to loosen some things and to even register a protest. I protest that behavior. So 
So Esau, that was his challenge. Everyone has personality traits, and part of the Christian journey is to let the Holy Spirit challenge you to change some things and not live, well, that's just the way I am. Esau, his very name, the name of Esau in Hebrew means complete. His uh, uh, numerical equivalent to his name in Hebrew equals shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So Esau started from a very early age having that egotistical know-it-all attitude that I already know it all. Yeah, 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 Abraham. Yeah, 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 mom. Yeah, 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 dad. And his job was to sanctify that, not excuse it. So we see the signs of Esau even today. People, even in church, are addicted to everything but Jesus. Schnikes. Children telling parents what to do. Reminds me of the, uh, the first trip we had to uh, Israel. We were right in that section uh, in the old city where they claimed that they would take rebellious kids and there was a big stone pile there and this is where they'd take rebellious kids. <clears throat> and so uh, we sent our kids a postcard from that place. <laughs> Wish you were here. (laughs) So we come into Christianity with some quirks, some issues. I have issues. Well, let's get those issues dealt with. Right? Let's, Let's... Hey, buddy. Let's transition out of what we used to be for the devil into what God wants us to be. And look, that takes some hard work, right? You got to be willing to dig deep, get your shovel out spiritually, and start digging and uncover some things. And then with the help of God and the help of the Word and the help of your church and the help of your prayer partners and the help of the Holy Spirit, bam! One day it's like, you know what? That thing doesn't have dominion over me anymore. The first two years of our marriage and we got married about the same time we got born again. And for two years... Man, uh, you know, it was like a living hell because of that struggle between living as a man of the earth, Adam, or living as a man whose the breath of God has been breathed into him and now he has resurrection life and he needs to use that resurrection power to dominate and overcome the dictates of the world and the flesh. It's called fighting the good fight of faith. Come on, put your dukes up and swing on. Boom, boom, boom. 
And it's neat to have uh, uh, be in a church where we understand breaking family curses. One of the reasons God has you planted in the church is to know that revelation. It's not just, oh, don't they sing pretty? Okay, yeah. But I want to walk away with, isn't, isn't that a nice Christmas tree they put up? Right? That's what leads to a better life. So when we talk about changing, when we talk about remodeling or renovating our personality, we're talking about transforming the long-standing traits and patterns that are compelling you to think a certain way, to feel a certain way, to behave a certain way. The the word personality comes from a Latin word, persona. And in the ancient world, a persona was a mask that was worn by the actor. Now, we usually think of that as they're trying to cover up who they really are. But back in those days, that, that theater mask was originally used to represent or project a certain personality trait. Happy face, sad face, as an example. And so God wants His Word, His Spirit... To be so alive in us that it transforms all the negative persona into positive persona. And, you know, that takes a while to convince yourself and train yourself that the joy of the Lord really is my strength. I believe that. How can you be so uh, confident and joyful in the midst of a tough situation? Because I've spent years and years, you've spent years and years training yourself to fight off the negative emotions and walk in the emotions that the Bible defined. The peace of God surrounds me. The angels of the Lord are encamped round about me. When we got the word the other day that our son was taken to the emergency room and, and admitted into the hospital and they were just the, you know, from long distance spouting all of these negative, oh my gosh, he, we're going to need to amputate both legs. That's not what they said, but they just build this thing into an incredible, we're, we're, we're going to have to make you a quadriplegic just so you can survive. We rebuke that evil report in the name and by the blood of Jesus. We release miracle healing over him. We bind every symptom and loosen the miracle healing power of God. And we were able to say that with a confidence. Training for reigning, right? It takes some time to get to that point. But that's the point God wants to bring you and I to. You know, that all doesn't automatically happen at the altar call. In fact, no one can really change unless God's involved. And this is what the born-again experience is supposed to lead us into. The moment you receive Christ as Savior, the moment you become aware of sinfulness, 
the moment you become aware of the price that was paid to set you free, the moment you realize how the devil's been distorting your destiny and using your personality against you, the moment you realize all of that, game on. Do you wake up in the morning with that attitude? Game on, world. Come on. It's confidence. There is a thin line between being confident and being egotistical. And we don't want to cross that line. But God has a plan and purpose for each of us that no devil on this earth can steal. No man can tell you what you can achieve or what you can't achieve. That is not in your destiny, doctor, to tell me whether I live or die. That is not within your realm of authority to put a death sentence on somebody. Only God can decide that. And as for me and my house, we're going to believe that God is the healer. Okay? We all know that once you receive your new life in Christ, you were born again. You were born into a divine nature. That whole new creation in Christ teaching. You're a new convert. Your mind, your emotions, your will, your thinking, your attitude, your behavior has to go undergo a complete and thorough and exhaustive examination. And it's probably going to mean you're going to need an extreme makeover. Well, doesn't God love me just the way I am? Yes, he does. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay that way. Especially if you're a selfish, greedy, you know, little flesh creature. And look, we could go through all the the scriptures that talk about changing from bad to good. At the end of the day, we just have to realize that in God's world, there's a demand to grow. Right? Don't fight that feeling. Amen? Somewhere in Esau's life, he made a series of bad decisions to avoid and reject everything that we're talking about. When it came to the things of God, he developed a severe case of what we might call spiritual inertia. I got fascinated with that word inertia this week. Do you know what inertia is? There's many definitions. Uh, It's the reluctance of any object to change its state or to move. In our human nature, the Adam side of us, the side of us that came out of the ground, the dirt, the soil, is reluctant to make any changes. I like being a selfish, greedy little thing. I like gossip and slander and talking bad about people. 
makes me feel good. Yeah, but you're a Christian now. There's a new way of living, a new life divine. Those things have to be examined. They have to be pointed out. You have to recognize with a self-awareness that, holy shnikes, this is who I've become living for the devil. Deliver me from that, Lord. Break every curse and bring me a, a new beginning and a new life. And unless you're, the physics of it, unless some external force alters the direction or the state of that object, it remains the same. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. This is why we have the Word of God and church and life groups and devotionals and CDs and podcasts and everything to uh, embrace and absorb a culture of Christianity that goes far beyond 60 minutes on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Another way to define spiritual inertia is being stuck in a rut. How many of you know a rut is just a coffin with the ends kicked out? The comfort zone business executives and success and motivation teachers will tell you the comfort zone is the failure zone. Now there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. But if that's our aim, leisure is our aim in life, then something's missing from our Christian experience because it's just not all about uh, getting the blessing for me, my wife, my two kids, us four, and no more. There's got to be something more. There's got to be a cause that is motivating us that's beyond what can I get from Amazon this week. And so... Our faith and spiritual warfare is for fighting our way out of some of that into the success zone that God has for our lives. The great Brian Tracy, who I love, calls this state of uh, inertia, spiritual inertia, this state of being, he calls it the E-factor. The E factor is the easy factor. And the easy factor becomes a force in our lives where our entire aim is just what's fun and easy. Now look, I want to party just like the next guy. And sometimes I do. But ask my wife and ask my assistant Tamara if uh, Scott Sigmund knows how to put the pedal to the metal and get some things done. Because I know I'm building a heavenly resume. And one day, what I've laid up in heaven, the Lord is going to pull out my dossier. And I don't want it to be the Hillary Clinton dossier. (laughs) Because God ain't falling for it. Right? God ain't falling for that. Esau pretended, and he paid a big price. Now, it worked out for him in the end. He came to his senses. So sometimes we have to sacrifice 
short-term immediate gratification to achieve some long-term goals. Everything just isn't about instant pleasure. And that's what usually distinguishes the mature from the immature. When we begin to recognize, oh man, you know, that's not good. I'm 66 years old right now. I'm not interested in spending every last dime I make on my lifestyle. I'd like to have a nice, tidy little nest egg. So even though there's no word in Hebrew for retire, I'd like to have some money if I ever decided to retire. Where I, well, I got my Social Security. I found a place that I just have to pay a dollar a month. Look, if that's where you're at, look, I don't mean to begrudge anybody, but I'm just saying, I've got time. You've got time to change some of those things. Let an external force come upon you and change the direction of your life and thinking. And let that force be God-given principles, the Bible, the Holy Ghost in power come upon you so that you can change course in some ways and live the better life, the abundant life that God has promised. Part of the solution is learning how to create value in the future. My uh, great uncle on my mom's side, Max Goldman, I, I just love it because have you ever seen grumpy old men or grumpier old men? Walter Matthau's name is Max Goldman. So I just like to watch the movie just so that I can hear my great uncle's name, Max Goldman. That's my uncle. That's my uncle's name. And the thing that just when I see him on the other side, be able to walk up to him and say, Max, you barely knew me. But you left an inheritance for me. Think of that. My great uncle on my mom's side, Max Goldman, that I hardly uh, ever spent any time with, really didn't know him that well, left an inheritance with my name on it. Think of the vision. What kind of training, what kind of input went into Max Goldman that would think about leaving an inheritance, not just to his children and children's children, but to a nephew he barely knew? I want that. I'm motivated by that. And I may not be able to do everything that Max did and on and on and on, but it doesn't matter. It means I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep pushing. That's why I don't like the whole concept of the hyper grace teacher. There's nothing you have to do. Oh, excuse me? I don't know what world you live in, but there's a lot I have to do. 
And it's not because I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. It's because I'm trying to create an environment where I am passing on the blessing. I'm paying it forward into my children and my children's children. Saba loves you. Saba loves you. Spiritual inertia is part, what I believe is part of what's going on when we talk about the great falling away. When pastor was teaching this a few weeks ago and he says, look, uh, the more I study this, the more I realize the great harvest that we're talking about, he believes is going to happen in the tribulation with the 144,000 evangelists and the two witnesses that defy the Antichrist. But the Bible says leading into that, there'll be a great falling away. What's the great falling away? It's all of a sudden, everybody gets spiritual apathy. There's a spiritual inertia where we come to a dead stop and nothing can get us moving again. We're not letting the external forces of God, the Holy Spirit, and his word affect us and motivate us and cause us to live an inspired life. I don't want to be that guy. I couldn't help but think about how the unintended consequences of the lockdown has brought with it the opportunity to fall into spiritual inertia. Because now look at what government is trying to do in many cases. Keep you from going to church. Keep you from gathering together to be thankful on Thanksgiving. And then they go out and they do the very thing they tell you don't to do. Don't you do that. While I'm at this $350 a plate restaurant, living la vida loca. Spirit of Esau. We worked harder during the lockdowns from March until now. Of course, we're back in the office, but we weren't in the office here for how many months? Almost three. We were working harder from home because more people were crying out from around America to our ministry because they sensed something about the faith, about the vision, about the destiny and purpose of what we're doing here at New Beginnings under Pastor Larry and Tiz's leadership. And they're calling in more than ever. Help me with this. And we did. I can't tell you how much we have to resist all of what's going on right now. Register a protest. I did that yesterday. I wrote the senator, uh, senators of Texas and the local uh, government uh, political party and made some comments to them about what really concerns me and my household about what's going on right now. I registered a protest. 
you and I need to make our voice, well, it's just my voice. No one knows me from Adam. Well, I don't care if they know me. They're going to hear from me. And if, if Jesus asked me in the sweet by and by, Scott, how come you never said nothing? <laughs> I don't think I want to have that conversation with Jesus. Scott, how come you never said anything? You had a microphone and you never said nothing. You had the internet. Couldn't you at least send an email and said, I don't like what you're doing. Or I like what you're doing. I don't want spiritual inertia to overtake me because I ain't letting no spiritual rigor mortis set in. And that's why I love my pastor. He's 70 years old. Were you here last week for his 70th birthday celebration and you just saw that? And then you realize he ain't done. Let's, let's go, Scotty. When Israel opens back up and things start changing, uh, we're going to get back out there as Tiz uh, finally gets through all of her treatments and we don't have to be quite as caught. We're going to get back out there and do some things. I'm there for you, Pastor, because I want to do some things. Because when I get to heaven, just like you, don't you want to get to heaven? And they say, well, uh, Scott, uh, you're going to have to get in that line over there. <laughs> I don't want that. You, you Step aside. We, we get out of line there, Sigmund, and step over into this line. The, the, the one that uh, hid their talents and didn't do nothing about it. No, I want to hear well done. Don't you want, well done, my people of faith. Thank you for standing up and being a Christian voice. Even in a secular world, you stood up and let your voice be heard. It wasn't like I'm trying to, you know, and don't do this this Thanksgiving. Don't try to correct everyone's doctrines and theologies while you're eating uh, sweet potato pie because it's usually not going to work that way. Usually it's going to be the love of God and behind the scenes, the prayers of the saints that reverse the curses and turn things around. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we could go on and on, but uh, let me pray over you, and then we'll go. uh, I know Pastor Sean has a great word today for us. Just receive this. Father, we love you this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that you have filled us with the Holy Ghost and power. You have filled us with a a level of vision and wisdom and counsel and discernment that is allowing us to live our best life right now moving forward. Father, we bind every hindrance, every obstacle. We bind every personality quirk, every kind of thing that was sown into us in our before Christ days. We just rebuke all of that and put that under the blood and we receive a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring, fresh wisdom and revelation and anointing and vision for a good life, for our lives, for our families, for our nation, Lord, we intercede this morning and we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen this morning. 
Give the Lord a big amen. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you.